If you're looking for a podcast to help you remember to put down 2024 instead of 2023. Uh, yeah, good luck with that because I think we're all kind of struggling just a little bit. So if you find that podcast, let us know because we ain't it. That's right. This is not that podcast. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple take turns each week selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, then we sit down and discuss why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and share that discussion with you. I'm Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com when I get around to it. You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. You can follow the podcast, at CT Marriage. I am also over on Spoutable, Threads, and Blue Sky. You can follow me over there at Stan the Movie Man. If you have a question for us or a suggestion for something for us to watch, send it to us in an email, comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also just click the link in the description of this episode and leave us a voice message. Joining me, as always, is my significant other half. Well, that's just sweet. Maud the GG Broad. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, it's a thing. We are back after a two-week break. Uh, did you miss us? We missed you. Aww. Uh And it was Maud's choice this week, so why don't you tell everybody what we watched? Um, well, I am Maud the GG Broad um, because I chose the Netflix original production, Good Grief, Written, produced, directed by Daniel Levy. Um, you would know him um, most recently probably from um, a little comedy show with his father, Eugene Levy, also Catherine O'Hara called Shit's Creek. And it's not a bad word because that's the name. Yes. Yes. It's a proper name, even though on radio they avoid they saying it. They refer to it as S Creek. Well, it's Shit's Creek. So. Yes. There we go. <laughs> and it's fun to say it. Um, it was um, produced and released in 2023, barely, um, a comedy drama film. Um, this was Daniel Levy's directorial film debut. It starred him, also Ruth Nega, Himesh Patel, Celia Emery, David Bradley, Arnaud Valois, and Luke Evans. Um, it was released um, on December 29th in the U.S. and worldwide on January 5th, 2024. It's uh, 100 minutes long. Country of origin is the United States. However, it takes place um, in London and Paris. Um, and it is, it is a subdued comedy drama in my estimation it's more of a drama comedy i think um the title care well mark um, played by daniel levy um the the movie opens at a very posh crowded london flat christmas party um mark is is throwing with his longtime husband oliver um, Oliver and Mark work together. Mark is an artist. He used to paint, but um, since Oliver began writing a series of children's books about a mystery heroine named Victoria Valentine, um, Mark has taken to illustrating this series of books. So they are 
a working married couple and it looks to be a beautiful partnership they have these lovely posh friends they're drinking expensive delightful champagne they have a band and um, Oliver has sent everyone on the guest list um, um, audio files and sheet music for the Christmas carol that they're going to sing yeah, as he, a group. He's a bit of a control freak, it would seem, well, at least as far just, as this goes. Yeah, and he's just fancy, and yes. they obviously have money, mm -hmm. and they have a longtime circle of um, friends of all races and sexual persuasions, and it, it just looks like a good time is being had by all. Um, and at, not at the end of the party, but the party is starting to wind down and Oliver has to go to a book signing, um, in Paris, I believe. And, um, so he's saying goodbye to Mark and he slips him, um, a little card in a red envelope and, um, he's like to open later and, um, just very shortly after he leaves, he gets in his cab, we see the cab pull away, and in a couple of minutes, we hear this god-awful commotion down the street, and there are lights and sirens, and, um, you know, the party guests are looking out the window saying, well, you know, somebody's having a really bad night, and Mark looks out the window, and he's like, um, shell-shocked, and he says that that was Oliver's cab, and so he goes running down the street, and um, it turns out that this very, very early in the film, um, Oliver's cab has been totaled and Oliver has died. And so over the course of the following year, we get a look into Mark's process of becoming a widower. We see, um, we see the funeral, which... Um, opens with a very trampy girl giving her part of eulogy. She is the actress who plays Victoria Valentine in the um, movie series that has come of, excuse me, that has come out of Oliver and Mark's books uh, about this little plucky mystery solving heroine. Who is also a psychic who is also a psychic. <laughs> and um, we see um, Oliver's father give a lovely eulogy, which was actually one of several sort of misty-eyed moments in this movie for me. Um, Ruth Nega plays their friend Sophie. She is 35. She is a hot mess. Yes. Um, she is involved in a long-term relationship with Terrence, who is a stand-up guy. He loves her. He wants to be with her. He wants to marry her. She cannot get out of her own way. So she um, comes into a bar where Mark and Thomas are, saying, well, I've dumped Terrence and I may need to stay with you guys from two weeks to six months, just depending on, you know, how I get my job and my life together and blah, blah, blah. Thomas has come to stay with Mark at Mark's request because he just, Mark just wanted company mm -hmm. and doesn't want to go through this first part of this being a widower 
alone. And Thomas and Mark used to be in yeah. a relationship Thomas together. and Mark were a couple like 15 years ago. Or so they're in their yeah. like mid-20s, they got together for a year. Um, um, Sophie actually fixed them up and got them together. Um, we learned in the film and so they these people have long long histories and friendships and um, not entanglements but they they have long histories with each other and it's um, as long histories are wont to do they are beautiful and loving and complicated and angry and there's a lot of stuff under the surface yes um, a lot of their issues get buried in the effort to just sort of not have the conflict. Yeah, and in the they get um, they get buried under the roles that they play because they have. Um, it seems to me that they each have their assigned part that they've always um, had. And so these roles have sort of become ingrained and um, a lot of the messy, complicated, ugly stuff that needs to, to come out um, hasn't yet. Um, but it starts to. Yes. And that's a, that's a big portion to me of where this film goes. Yes. The, uh, the movie's about Mark dealing with his grief, but it's also about how these three friends have not been dealing with the truth with each other. Yeah. And how that affects their future relationship going forward. And um, it's a really, I think, effective film. It um, takes a look, and sadly, a lot of people that that need to see this movie will not watch it because it's about gay people. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. One of my big takeaways from this is that people are people. Exactly. Grief is universal. Grief is grief. Death is death. Um, if we live long enough, we're all going to have some. Yes. It. Death and grief and illness are great equalizers. And um, it doesn't matter where you live, what language you speak, who you love, who you don't love, everybody deals with grief. Yes, it is really a universal um, film about learning how to cope with, uh, well, and, and in this case, especially a, a tragic death. Um, Sudden, unexpected. Far too soon. Yeah. And and then all of the little secrets that come out of um, the realization that even though on the surface, uh, Mark and um, Oliver. Oliver are a perfect couple. They have this perfect life together. They, they have money. They have a certain level of fame. Posh friends. Posh friends uh, who, who all seem to be very good friends. Um, they, they live in this fabulous house. Well, it's a like a brownstone a or gorgeous, something like that. A gorgeous London flat. Um, and it, it is huge and spacious because um, that party had what looked to be a uh, hundred people there. Um, along with the band, 
Um, it was big. Yes. And, and books and beautiful furniture and, and, and art wood and art. Of course, you know, Mark being an artist, uh, there's going to be art. Yes, but he hasn't painted since his mother passed away. No. And that's another layer of grief that we don't learn immediately. That layer of grief is um, revealed to us a, a little bit into the film. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's 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 a lot going on in this movie under the surface. At first, it's this sort of veneer of perfection. Um and then as we learn more about all of the characters, um, we discover that that veneer is just that. It's very, very thin. And there's, there's this conflict and, and uh, feelings that, um, of betrayal, of, of uh, you know, just all sorts of true honest emotions that these people have not dealt with because they've had this this outward appearance of absolute perfection um, and it's it's the avoiding of these conflicts and the inability for um, for mark to to say that, his and Oliver's marriage wasn't perfection, uh, despite what everybody else thinks, um, that leads to a lot of the conflict in the film. And he's not able to talk about those problems, one problem in particular, um, until very late in the film. And by then, he's nearly alienated all of his closest friends. And oddly, um, he's able to spill the tea to someone he's just met. Well, I think that Which is, actually makes sense. It does make sense, totally. Because, you know, how many times have I been standing in line at the pharmacy or the grocery store or the big, big box retailer and some woman behind me or some man in front of me just starts to talk. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean. I've seen it. Yeah. But I've been there for You've it. Been there. Yeah. It, it, sometimes it's easiest for us to really spill the real stuff of life to people who don't have, who don't know us and don't have these preconceived notions of who we are or who they are or the roles that we're all supposed to play. Yeah, it's it's one of those, uh, I mean, that's why people, I think, pay for the privilege to speak with a therapist. Yeah. Uh, because this... Oh, and God, people will tell a chaplain anything. <laughs> eh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's too much baggage for people pure honesty with a lot of your friends. Yeah, or God knows your family. Or your family. Woof. Um, and, you know, there are there are times when... Um, you need an unbiased, neutral opinion. Now, and that may come in the confines of a therapist's office, or that may come in the line at the grocery store uh, with a stranger. Yeah. Uh, now, that, that also makes it easier to lie. True. And to, and to uh, you know, paint yourself more as 
either a victim or a hero. Um, but at the same time, if especially when you're talking with the therapist, if you're honest, um, you know, you can you can make it can help you um, inroads into why you feel the things you feel and 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 try to you know work through and get to the bottom of these issues now none of these people in this movie are in therapy even though all of the people in this movie should, should be, be in therapy, in therapy. Um, and we we get a, a really sort of cathartic moment near the end, oddly enough, when uh, Mark's talking to the lawyer that has overseen all of their finances. Yeah. And she's dealing with the estate and the book company that uh, published Oliver's books has has uh, wanted their money back on the advance because he couldn't deliver the books, you know, him being two. dead and all. Yeah, him being um, dead and all. Uh, so she's talking, you know, about selling the London house, uh, and she says, um, when we hide from pain, we hide from love, or when we avoid pain, we avoid love, and because they are two sides of the same coin, or sometimes they're all mixed together, mm -hmm. uh, and that really got me, um, because she shares that she lost her spouse some years, years earlier. Twelve years ago, she said. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's true. Because if you never want to experience pain, true, deep, emotional pain, you cannot ever feel love true love. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that just comes with the territory. We've been married... For 30, almost eight years, 30, 37 and 37 a half. And, a half. and um, sometimes, I probably shouldn't share this with you. Sometimes. You've wanted to beat me around the head and face? No. <laughs> um, I have shared that with you. Uh, I, there are times when I'll wake up in the middle of the night and you're next to me. And I can't hear you breathing. Uh, and, and so you wait? And I wait for you to move. Or I wait for you to snore. Because she's a prolific snorer. Uh, it's or, or I just put my hand on you to, A, feel your, your body move with your breath. Or to feel that you're still warm. Aww. Which is... <laughs> it's kind of broken, but... No, it's not. Because it... of what we have been through with losses and as many people as we have loved who have died, some of whom have been sudden. Yes. No, I get that, and I do the same thing. Well, and, you know, you had long COVID, and, and for a long time, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And you still have the aftermath of that. I do. Um, and it sucks. So, so that's what I do. I and I do it too. Just to assure myself that you're still there. 
so you need to talk now. That's really sweet, and I love you. <laughs> and um, neither of us, obviously, has experienced the death of a spouse. Um, what struck me about Daniel Levy's portrayal of this was that I totally bought it. Mm. He has this face that he is able to use in such subtle ways to such maximum impact, I find. Um, he, um, just the slightest tilt of the head or the slightest lift of one of those enormous bushy caterpillar eyebrows <laughs> or um, the shadow of a smile but behind the eyes, there's sadness. He's, he's a remarkable actor, I find. Um, and there were some very powerful performances in this ensemble cast. Primarily, um, Daniel Levy, Ruth Nega, and um, Mr. Patel are the, the three main, Himesh Patel are the main three characters in the ensemble. Um, it's, I'm sorry, I'm trying to multitask here and not doing it very well. There we go. Okay. Um, some really powerful performances and, um, Daniel Levy, I'm like, I never, never watched Schitt's Creek. I mean, I've had a lot of little, you know, short reels come up in my socials and I've, I've become familiar with him there. Um, I think that I'm a fan. Yeah. And the writing in this film, of course he wrote it, he directed it, he co-produced it. Um, it's kind of his deal. And um, it's this is a remarkable directorial debut, I think. Yeah. I, it's beautiful to look at. The scenery's gorgeous. The well, cinematography's yeah. gorgeous. Between London and Paris, it's kind of hard, hard to go to, wrong. Hard to miss. Um, but the, the writing and um, it's just, I bought it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Ruth Nega a little bit. Yes, we watched her last year in Loving, um, which was the... Um, the, I think, Virginia versus Loving case, um, interracial marriage. Yes. Uh, we also watched her in... Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, it was, another... a, it was a Netflix series, I a believe. A period thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, also kind of a civil rights She's remarkable. Thing. But... I hated her character here. Yes, well... I, I loved her and disliked her. I don't think, I think yeah, hate might I mean, be a little strong. Yeah, I mean, she was a hot strong. mess. Uh, yes, she is. She thinks she has her whole life figured out when she doesn't have a clue. She she talks about how she doesn't want to be, you know, controlled or restricted or, or have have any limits placed on her, which is, you know, you know, unless you live in a jungle and don't see people. Passing. Uh, passing. Passing. Um, uh, um, that was the other thing. The other Ruth Nega thing where she passes as white. Yes. Um, there's, you know, she's, she's just got 
at least on the outside, she's got this, this. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm a rebel, and you can't contain me. Right. There's this veneer that she really knows what she wants. When in fact she does not, and sometimes she comes off as just a blowhard and a uh, biznitch. Uh, yeah, um, and just she's also the one that says what needs to be said. Of course, sometimes she actually does say what needs to be said. True, but there are also times where she says, you know, you hurtful just, things. You should have just shut that up. Now. Yeah. A lot of those hurtful things would have been, you know, sort of waylaid had uh, Mark told them about why they were going to Paris. Yeah, um, and that's a big secret, and we don't want to spoil that. No. Uh, because this is a I, new thing. I didn't, I, I wasn't going to. Yeah. But um, they think they're going for one reason i guess i think he says something about getting away from the one year anniversary yes. of of oliver's death yes um and there's really something else going on oh yeah uh now you know and actually all of them say kind of hurtful things to each other um which, oh, as the... longtime friends, that's going to happen. People yes. who have this depth of history together. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, but it's really Ruth Nega's character that just, um, she. She makes she, a meal of it. She is the, <laughs> yeah. She is the tell it like it is girl. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes that's exactly what's needed. And other times it's like, it's a little bit too much. You need, you need to, to shut to, the hell up. You need to back up a little bit. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, this movie's really, really good. Um, I was, I was afraid actually. <laughs> no, I mean after after it started, and I I kind of saw that the oh this is taking an unexpected direction for me. Um, I was really kind of, you know, trying to gauge the temperature in the room, thinking, oh man, he's gonna think this is a bunch of pretentious. Um, crap. Um, no, I mean, is it something I would choose to watch if I had the choice between this and a and a and Star a, Wars and or a something? New Marvel movie? Not so I much. would probably not choose this if it were in the theaters. But um, you know, there are things that I don't want to watch that I end up watching that I turn out to love, and this is one of them. Oh yeah, um, it's a I'm so uh, it's it's a a sweet. Um, look at the violent end of a relationship uh, and the wreckage left in the aftermath and how there's just, you know, so much that, that comes from, from a death and it, that comes from, um, you know this this pretending that everything is perfect when it isn't. Um, well, and how ultimately in the aftermath of death, we have to find a way to go on. Yes. And eventually, um, Mark does. Yes. And there's there's a breath of fresh air and optimism that we see 
as he begins to move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's lovely. Yes. So, I'm giving it five stars. What do you give it? Um, yeah, yeah. Eleventy um, big golden um, artist paintings. <laughs> uh, what else have you been watching, reading, listening to? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let me dig it's into my It's been two device. weeks, so. It's been two weeks, and I just went on kind of a jag, and it was delightful. So I watched a crap ton of, like, Christmas things, um, oh, ho holiday things. Um, and some of the best things that I found um, were, um, I may have mentioned the Eight Gifts of Hanukkah. That may have happened before we took our little break. Um, I watched The Holiday Calendar. I rewatched The Note with Jeannie Francis and Ted McGinley from 2007. Um it's a very sweet story. I try to add that every year. Um, new this year was a Biltmore Christmas on the Hallmark Channel. I loved it. Okay. So I have, I have a number of friends who are like the minute, you know, Labor Day's over, they start listening to Christmas music and they start, you know, when do the Hallmark Christmas movies start? And they're all up in the Hallmark holiday films, right? So um, I was getting a lot of buzz from a lot of people about A Biltmore Christmas and finally was able to snag it for myself. It was delightful. Um, it, it, there's time travel. There's, um, it was actually shot at Biltmore House. So the scenery and, you know, exterior shots and interior shots, gorgeous. Um, really good casting, including Jonathan Frakes, number one, um, Will Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation. And we also have a small appearance by Robert Picardo, who was the doctor in Star Trek Voyager. So I was very happy to see some familiar faces from the Star Trek um, universe. And I don't know, it looked to me as though... Um, Jonathan Frakes may be um, going to sort of join the Hallmark universe and maybe do some other projects with the Hallmark Channel, which I think would be delightful. Um, but the Biltmore Christmas movie, absolutely, um, you know, it, it was great. Um, I watched, what else? Um, from several years ago, one called Window Wonderland, where a um, big, you know, New York City department store has their chief window dresser leave suddenly right at the beginning of the holiday season. And the two follow-up people are um, in competition to see who gets her job. Um, there were several things. I watched The Christmas Train with Kimberly Williams Paisley and um, Dermot Mulroney and Danny Glover back actually before Christmas time happened just because I was in the mood for some fluff one evening. It was really good. Um, Rewatched The Noel Diary from 2022 with um, the hot guy from This Is Us, um, Justin... Uh, not Justin Chambers, he's the one from Grey's Anatomy, the other Justin. Anyway, the one who looks a little bit like Tom Cruise, except not annoying. It was very good. Um, so I watched a ton of fluffy holiday things this year. Um, Stan and I watched um, most of the 
um, Scrooge, um, most of the Scrooge treatments. Um, we did not catch the 1951 version, although I did watch it on my own. And we did not watch the 2019 version um, that FX did with um, Guy Pierce. But we watched most of the others. Yes. What else? What have you been watching? You actually went to see a movie. I did. Yesterday. <clears throat> I went to see Poor Things. Uh, stars Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, Mark Buffalo. I love him. Yes. Uh, and more. It is sort of a... It, it's sort of a sideways take on the uh, Frankenstein uh, story mixed with modern feminism. Oh, um, nice. It is, uh, uh, was about this uh, doctor played by Willem Dafoe, who's Aww. horribly disfigured. William Dafoe. Uh, he, uh, he was experimented on by his father. Uh, and we get a litany of things that his father either cut off of him or cut out of him uh, nice. over the course or the things that he did to the boy f as experiments when he was younger. Um, and uh, whenever uh, the doctor, uh, Dr. Godwin is his name, is seen out in public, he's called a monster. Uh, when we meet... Emma Stone's character, Bella, she, we, we don't know what's going on with Bella. Uh, <laughs> what's she, her problem? Well, like she's at a piano just banging on it and like her feet are on it. So she's sitting on the bench with her feet on the piano, banging on the piano with her hands. Hmm. Um, and over time, we learn that Bella was... Um, not Bella. Bella was a another woman, or okay, this is a little confusing. <laughs> the woman that was Bella before she became Bella had killed herself. She was distraught over being pregnant. So, uh, Doctor uh, Godwin, who enjoys dissecting, uh, well, he does it for research purposes, but he kind of also enjoys dissecting uh, dead bodies. So he got a hold of the corpse. He f well, he found her uh, in the river. Uh, she had jumped off a bridge. Okay. And the baby was still alive. So uh, she, he cuts open uh, the dead woman's head removes her brain, removes the brain from the baby, and puts it in in the woman and induces electrical activity and brings the woman back to life. But she has the brain of, of a baby. That's not creepy at all. Not at all. No. And so he is charting the course of her development over time. Uh, so she she's a full-grown woman with the mind of a baby. And she has the motor skills of a toddler. Um, and she has the verbal skills of some of a toddler who's just learning to speak. Okay. So it's about her... Growing up, sort of. Yeah, it's about her experiencing body. the world with a shady lawyer played by Mark Ruffalo um, who doesn't realize what kind of... what what what's going on with her. And he's constantly surprised by her being 
uh, loud and rude and vulgar in public because over the course of the movie, she begins to learn about the world. And at first, all she knows is what her what her father or what the doctor Godwin or yeah. she calls him God uh, has taught her. Um, he never takes her out. She's always in the house. She wants to go out. She wants to explore the world. And this this shady lawyer um, takes her into the world where and just before she leaves the house, she's discovered uh, sexual pleasure uh, with herself. And it it's all very funny. It's also uh, there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of sexual activity. So if that kind of thing troubles you, then you may want to pass this one by. But it's about her adventures out in the world, learning about the world, not only the good, but the bad, um, which is all new to her. Uh, and it's, it, it's really, it's kind of hard to describe. You have to see it. I really enjoyed it. It's, it is bizarre uh, and at times troubling and gory. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, it's called Poor Things. It's in theaters now, and you will likely be hearing a lot about it at the Academy Awards because Emma Stone is being talked about for, uh, Best Actress. Yeah. Uh, you and I have been watching some things on, um, AMC Plus. Yes, we added it because there was a thing. Yes, and, uh, one of the things, and they have a... A pretty decent uh, true crime library mm -hmm. uh, from their Sundance channel portal. And uh, one of the things we watched was The Flight Attendant Murders. Uh, it's a about a, a series of young women who were murdered in the Dallas, Texas area uh, in the 70s. There were flight attendants for Braniff they Airlines, were, uh, which no longer exists. Braniff right. was a very high-style... Um, cutting edge sort of appearing looking airline and they really, really amped up the glamour on their flight attendants and their, their uniforms. Yes, and, and all their planes were painted different pastel colors and uh, if you've ever heard anything about the swinging 70s and about the swinging lifestyle of, of uh, stewardesses and airline pilots, uh, or their flight attendants now. But, um, you know, if you ever heard stories about that, probably a lot of it was overblown, but in Braniff the case of Braniff, about. yes, Braniff is apparently lived up to, to that, that, uh, that uh, legendary uh, status as being the, their pilots and flight attendants were all partying all the time. But four of them, uh, their their hub was in in Dallas, and a lot of them lived in um, a relatively small area in a bunch of different apartment complexes. Four of them were murdered, and uh, while at least one person was arrested and convicted, and is currently serving time for the murder of at least one of these young women. There is some question as to whether he did it or not, and because of it was the '70s, there was no DNA, uh, and it was Texas. Um, you know, there's a lot of rush to judgment on those kinds of things. So, 
It was fascinating, though. But it was very interesting. Uh, uh, and in a similar vein, we watched uh, The Night Visitor, uh, also a four-part documentary series about a uh, serial killer that worked in Australia, uh, specifically the city of Perth. Um, and a couple of different people were convicted and jailed for the crimes of this person, but they also, they both had their convictions overturned because somebody else confessed to committing all the crimes and he committed them in various ways. He ran over a couple of people with a car. Um, he shot various people. He bludgeoned other people. Uh, and they, the police at the time didn't think these, these crimes were connected, were connected. but it turns out they were. Uh, we also watched the Oland murder, which was about a, um, um, a brewing mogul in Canada who's, uh, who was bludgeoned to death in his office. A horrible, brutal, bloody crime. Really bloody. And his son who was facing some financial difficulty and had been um, in the office that day, not too, you know, close to the time of the murder, was charged and uh, convicted. And it's about the story of him trying to get his conviction overturned. Um, that was that was also pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these Sundance things on AMC Plus have been well done generally. Yes. Oh, and we also watched a, a series called Cold-Blooded, the Clutter Family Murders, Ugh. Uh, about the murders uh, in Kansas, Kansas uh, back in the 50s. Was it the 50s or the early 60s? Um, I believe it was 1959 when the murders actually happened. And that, that was the basis for... Uh, Truman Capote's book, In Cold Blood, um, and it's about the story of the murders and of the family and of the search for the killers and of Truman Capote uh, coming into town and creating quite a stir, and, and uh, some people thought it was good that the, the murders were getting this kind of attention and others thought it was terrible that uh, this outsider, this funny little man, uh, was was there and was going to make money off of this tragedy involving this family. Um, so it it takes a lot of different viewpoints throughout the uh, episodes, uh, and it, they it, it was it was really good too. A lot of archival footage, which was interesting to see and hear. Yeah. Um, and anything else as far as books or anything? Um, just my totals for last year, um, at the end of the day, um, Maud ended up completing 30 books, which for Maud is quite respectable. And so this year, what Maud is going to do is she has started her books 2024 album on her socials already, and she is going to keep track as she goes. Okay. So... I'll keep you posted. Are you reading anything currently? Um, yeah, I'm actually, um, I've started a children's book that I wanted to check out months ago and couldn't because it kept being requested by, you know, other library patrons. So I would, you know, go to, to 
check it out myself and it'd be like, oh, doggone it, somebody else wants it, so I have to give it to them. So I am reading E.B. White's The Trumpet of the Swan. Now, E.B. White um, obviously wrote Charlotte's Web, and I loved Charlotte's Web from the time I was in the third grade, and my third grade teacher read it to us, and then I read it subsequently for myself multiple times after. Um, this is one that my assistant at the library loves and highly recommends, and so I'm enjoying it so far. And um, we'll see how it goes and where it takes us. But right now it's um, charming and the illustrations are lovely. And, um, you know, so there we have it. All right. Well, anything else? I don't think so. Next week is your turn to do the thing. It so. is. It's my turn, and I haven't a clue yet, so you'll just have to tune in and be surprised, I guess. <gasps> Thank you for listening to this edition of Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. Happy 2024, by the way. Happy, happy 2024. <laughs> uh, we, we hope that it is a great year for you, just as we hope it's a great year for us. Oh, ominous, ominous. Uh, 2023 was a, a year of uh, some growth for the podcast, so we, we thank you very much for uh, for uh, listening, subscribing. Uh, give us a rating on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, give us a subscribe and maybe share us with your friends on social media. It's, uh, it's not as embarrassing as you would think to share comedy, tragedy, marriage <laughs> on your socials. Uh, and uh, people might even actually thank you for it or at least not hold it against you. Uh, if you have a question or if you have a movie you'd like to suggest for us to watch, uh, just send it to us via email. Uh, tell us what it is and why you think we should watch it. Send it to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message in the description of this episode. I'm Stan the Movie Man. That's Maud the Movie Broad. Love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later.